When you follow sports long enough, your ears are accustomed and some would say rewarded with some glorious cliches that become embedded in your minds and one that has made the rounds and is really a favorite these days is the term must win. It's redundant because isn't the goal of every team not to lose? But that adage was attached to UCLA on the basketball court on Sunday when they were taking on Cal. And I guess I'll let it slide this time because, yes, if you do want to attach a little extra sense of urgency and value to this game for UCLA, I get it because the losses had been mounting recently and they needed, they were thirsty and starving for a win to get back on track in the Pac-12. And they took advantage of a dreadful Cal Bears team and an offense for Cal that was struggling to its core. And with that, we welcome you in. This is Locked on Bruins. I'm Brian Fenley. You can follow the show via email. You can email me. That is LockedOnBruins at gmail.com. Follow the show on Twitter. Also, subscribe to the show. That is probably your best bet as to keeping up to date on what is happening And wherever you digest and consume your podcast, please hit that subscribe button. And always, you're welcome to rate the program and provide me some feedback and and tell me why you think I'm wrong, why you think I'm right, why you think I'm smart, why you think I'm not. So it's all there for you. Want to make this as interactive as possible. The basis of the show will look back at UCLA's 50-40 win against Cal on Sunday. And yes, you're thinking about that score and you're like, wow. Yeah, it, it was not as aesthetically pleasing of a win as the Bruins probably would have hoped. But you know what? At this point, we'll take anything. So we will backtrack and look at the game specifically where the Cal Bears absolutely made life miserable for themselves on the court. Then we'll look at where, even though UCLA won, that they still have a lot of things to work on. So we'll look at some of where they got away with some inefficiencies because the win overshadowed things. And then I want to profile the UCLA football their new defensive backs coach in Brian Norwood. So I did some digging on his resume, and I want to tell you more about his personality and his background and pedigree in the coaching game. But I do want to start with that UCLA basketball win. And this Bruin fan base, just like the players, were getting more and more frustrated with how the losses were mounting, and they needed something to reverse course here. And this is a great way to do it. I mean, you think about the timing of this game. It was perfect for UCLA. They were struggling wholeheartedly and they needed to face an opponent where they had a significant chance against. And I will dub Cal the worst team in the Pac-12. I think they do have two wins in the conference, but then you wonder how they got those two based on how they played against UCLA on Sunday it it reminded me of that game that you like when you're in high school and there's the homecoming game and like let's say you're in charge of scheduling that you're like okay it's homecoming let's schedule an opponent who we know that there is absolutely no way we are going 
to lose to. And I feel like that was kind of what UCLA needed following the success of losses that had been piling up. And if there was any opponent on the schedule in the conference where UCLA had the best chance of winning and trying to once again reinstate that confidence within the team and get them back in the win column, it was having a home game against a Cal team that had come into that game averaging only 54 points per game. That was it. And I said last week that Matt Bradley was going to be their source of offense, and he was, but I was very impressed with how UCLA, at long stretches of this game, were able to cripple his effectiveness on the court. And when he can't get going, this Cal Bears offense, dreadful, I mean, it was lifeless, it was lost, it had no hope, and there was an 11-minute span in the second half where the Cal Bears could not score a single point. They missed 15 straight shots, and the Bruins were able to pad on to their lead at that point, and you could see why this was transpiring for Cal even before it happened based on how their offense was flowing. Let me give you an example. Okay, if you're watching this game, and I told you before last, or I said last week, that the Cal Bears don't have a lot of scoring presence inside. And to be honest with you, I'm watching this game, and they had no semblance of a post presence in the interior. Their offense was stuck taking contested threes and bad shots all game long. And early on, they were able to kind of stay neck and neck with UCLA because Matt Bradley was able to hit some some critical shots and keep the guys in it. But if he wasn't doing anything on the offensive end, this Cal Bears offense looked like it had no clue what it was doing out there. There was no sense of flow. It was... Basically, okay, shot clock winding down, let's force up a shot. And then if you do look at the stats, you will see that the Bears did out-rebound UCLA. And that is just the second game all year when the Bruins have had their opponent do that. And I will say that it's a bit misleading to look at that stat and credit Cal because what I found to be the reason for them getting all those rebounds and it was only two more, it was only plus two than UCLA, was the fact that the Cal Bears, I can't tell you how many times, they missed bunnies. They got a drive to the cup, and they just puked when they had an easy look inside. They blew so many interior looks that what happened was is they got their own rebounds from all of these misses. So they, you know, and credit them for, you know, following up their shot and all that stuff and UCLA not boxing out. But the rebounding advantage came down to all the misses inside for Cal and them getting their own misses and then usually missing those. And the 11 minute span in that 
second half where the Bears did not score was finally broken up by a driving move down the lane by Matt Bradley. But I will say that on the other side of the ball, and we look at offense for UCLA, this was a game where Chris Smith once again reemerged. We saw Jalen Hill really active early on. He had a couple putback jams, got the ball fed early in the shot clock, and had this really tough turnaround, Jay, where he knocked it in and got fouled. And I could tell that Mick Cronin, the part of the game plan early on was to establish the post presence of Jalen Hill. And the Bruins, as they've done recently, they went to a four-guard lineup to start. They brought Cody Riley off the bench. And so I think that this is probably the most effective lineup for the Bruins right now. And then, you know, the Bruins got a lot of early points from Hill, and then they kind of went away from that. But what I think that that did, and I mentioned this last week, and I'm, I'm not here to, to boast about some of my preview game plan keys to the game of this contest, but I did point out that the interior presence needed to be dominated by UCLA. And while you you look at the the rundown of the statistics afterwards, and you'll say, well, Brian, you know, if you look at the stats, the points in the paint for both teams are pretty similar. Yes, but a lot of times those Cal buckets were off, you know, back-to-back misses. They keep a possession alive, and they chuck up a, a wild shot that goes in. I'm talking about early offense and really enforcing your will, and I you know, Jalen Hill, they got away from him, and but I do feel like his presence early on set the tone for Chris Smith because he garnered more attention early on, did Hill, and that opened up Chris Smith to operate and, and create his own shot, and he was successful doing that. He had 17 points and made seven of nine baskets from the field. That was really nice. Jalen Hill was also in double figures as well, and... I will say that this was a, a much better outlook as far as our post presence is concerned. I'm a little bit concerned still about the number of turnovers because as bad as Cal played, we only won by 10, and I know a win is a win, but as I talk about in this next segment, there are some issues that once again – emerged and showcased itself in this game for UCLA that against a more prominent opponent probably would have stung the Bruins more. But because they were able to rally and and win by getting the likes of Chris Smith going and having such a, a pathetic play on the offensive end for Cal, it kind of overlooks and, and makes the Bruins' struggles an afterthought, but I do want to bring those up in our next segment. Plus, we will look at the newest addition to the Bruins football coaching staff in Brian Norwood. I am not trying to be that naysayer. Despite the UCLA win says, ah, oh, you know, what does this really mean in the grand scheme of it all? And how good and how many more wins does this Bruin team actually have in store for it realistically? I just want to be a little bit cautious with you because I know that Mick Cronin, 
is not going to spend a whole lot of time basking in this win. He he might congratulate his players, and glad hand them and high five them on on battling and staying the course and winning this thing. But any highly successful coach in any sport, it seems to be this concurrent gene that they have, all of them, in that they are perfectionists or at least studying to be perfectionists or leaning in that direction. And so if Mick Cronin looks at this game, he is going to first of all take a sigh of relief. He's going to unbutton the top button on his collar, relax for a second, congratulate his players, and then right after that, he is going to say, hey guys, great win, glad we got this one, but even though we did get the victory, we still did a lot of things not great, and we got away with it because we still won. And so the general public might not put a lot of stock in those deficiencies and those areas of futility or or lack of production because a win overshadows everything. But these are topics that I know Mick Cronin is going to discuss with his players, and I think we should reveal as well. And so all you have to do is look at a couple things. First of all, the, the free throw percentage is still very low. The Bruins were on the game 61.5%. So in a game like this, it doesn't dictate the outcome. But I got to imagine that there are going to be future games in this conference where you shoot that low and you are not going to win a game on the road in this conference. So that has to be cleaned up, and I, we all know that. I mean, that's, that's obvious. Then there's also the three-point field goal percentage. The Bruins went just four of 16 from three-point three land, and they did not get burned by that because, as we talked about in the first segment, the Bears bricked 15 consecutive shots. They went a whole 11 minutes in the second half where they were stuck on 25 points. And so, look, you can miss a bunch of shots and still be in front when your opponent is that inept on the offensive end. So I want you to take in this win with a a cautious optimism because I know that's exactly what Mick Cronin is going to do. He's going to look at the fact that we got out-rebounded. And that is something that the Bruins spend a lot of time taking pride in. You're not supposed to lose the rebounding battle, and it's not against a team that has any very talented bigs because they certainly didn't go to them if they have them on the roster in this game. It was an ugly game. It was kind of like a, a baseball game that turned into a pitcher's duel as far as maybe lack of drama and entertainment and fireworks and pizzazz. But this was a grinded-out win for UCLA where they absolutely put up a roadblock from Cal on their offensive end. And, and, and Cal got in trouble. 
They got too comfortable taking those mid-range jump shots. They could not get into the key. And any time they did, I can't tell you how many times they threw up shots where, you know, it's a high percentage shot and they they just would not go down. Cody Riley came off the bench. He made one field goal and he he had an open layup that he missed. There were... A couple buckets made, but only seven from bench players for UCLA. Prince Ali did not play in this game. He reportedly, according to the team, sustained an injury at practice on Friday. So we don't know his status as far as how long he could miss, but obviously anything that we hear we'll discuss and bring up on the show. But a Bruin win is all that matters, and this team is now 2-3 and three in Pac-12 play. So much to get to later this week, such as tomorrow when I do want to banter about Mick Cronin's postgame comments following the win against Cal. I'm sure that there might be a level of relief from Cronin, but I, I could almost project that he will come across as one who is not very satisfied with a win. If there's a way to not be very satisfied with a win, I think this constitutes as such for this UCLA team because of it being in an ugly way. And then I also want to bring about and bring to your attention the comments made by some of his players during the postgame presser at the podium and hear what they have to say as well. Also later on this week, we'll begin to analyze and dissect the Bruins' next opponents. But still to come on this episode, he is the newest member of the Bruin football coaching staff. He brings with himself a boatload of experience and how he wants to use that to improve UCLA and what they can accomplish on the field. That's coming up. You might have been privy to this. The Bruin football team released a note announcing a new hiring for their defensive backs coach opening. Brian Norwood gets the job coming over where he previously was the co-defensive coordinator at Navy. Going to enter his 30th season as a coach. He has never been a head coach and takes over for Paul Rhodes who jumped to the University of Arizona and is going to be their defensive coordinator. So what Brian Norwood has done, and he is a man who's played college ball. He went to the University of Hawaii and was a DB there from 1983 to 1987. He's a man who makes a lot of his judgments and his decisions in terms of where he's employed and where he moves based on his faith. He's worked under a lot of big-name coaches, from Coach Snyder at Kansas State Coach Paterno even spent quite a few years with Art Bryles at Baylor. But what I will say about Norwood is as I look at his pedigree and I look at what he's done in turning programs around on the defensive end, there is a a nice pattern that he has constructed here in doing that. So he spent just one year with Navy and that was last year, and they went 11-2. and two. They were finishing on the season in relation to other teams in the country. They were 10th in the country in rushing defense. 
allowing an average of only 105 yards per game. And Navy was also 16th in the country in total defense. But what this guy also gets a lot of credit for is his ability to improve pass defense. And some of the stats would reveal that when he was at Kansas State. And he was at Kansas State back in 2018. And what he did there was take on a Wildcat team that was 12th in the Big 12 when it came to pass defense. They were allowing 309 yards per game through the air and got them in one year to fourth to average giving up only 245.8 passing yards per game. That is kind of the turnaround that I think helped bring him onto this staff because if you know where UCLA was in terms of their sore spots, it was on defense and it was in the back end. It was giving up way too many explosive play and chunk yardage situations against our opponents. And so when Coach Kelly is sifting through that candidate pool and he sees a guy that goes to Kansas State and in one year goes and turns their pass defense from last to fourth and then sees the midshipman the next year when he bounces over to Navy to go from 3-10 and 10 in 2018 and then in 2019, the team goes to 11-2. and two. And mind you, Navy plays in the AAC. And there are some pretty good quarterbacks in that conference. You have a transfer from LSU who was at Tulane. And you had a great quarterback at SMU who put up some gaudy numbers. So it wasn't like they weren't playing against teams that like to air it out in the AAC. And I think that's why the coaching staff collectively felt that he was the best fit for that opening. And I hope he really does succeed here. And you got to love what he's done in the past in turning programs around. And and, and certainly that was the area where the Bruins would need the most help in this offseason. And perhaps he is that guy for UCLA. And finally, before I let you go, if you've been a listener of this podcast, I'm sure you've heard of all the great advertisers working with Locked On to reach sports fans, but you may not know that Locked On Bruins is a great way for your local business to reach passionate Bruin fans just like you. Unlike any other podcast, Locked On gives your local company the unique ability to reach local podcast listeners. Not just any podcast listener, a Locked On podcast listener. If your company wants to connect with the Bruin fans that might want to be able to take in to what your company has to offer, local fans love to support local businesses. Text the word advertising to 33777. Or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising and let us know who you are. We'll get our team to help your team achieve Locked On advertising success. Once again, text the word advertising, all uppercase, to 33777 or visit LockedOnPodcasts.com slash advertising. We look forward to hearing from you. And I will hear from you on Tuesday as we rekindle the next episode... And I will look forward to hearing you on 
And I will look forward to getting that next episode out for you for Tuesday. And I look forward to getting that next and I look forward to getting that next episode out there for you on Tuesday, where we will peel back what Mick Cronin uttered in the postgame press conference after the subsequent win against Cal and hear what his players had to say about the 50-40 to 40 win against the Bears. So much more to come throughout this week. I appreciate your time and in your support. I'm Brian Fenley.